This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. Today, we're going to discuss the 1970s rivalry between the Washington Redskins and the Dallas Cowboys. The Redskins-Cowboys rivalry of the 1970s is etched in NFL history. These two teams went back and forth, winning and losing, taunting each other, and one of the NFL's most memorable rivalries. The rivalry began when the Redskins hired George Allen as head coach in 1971. Allen had been the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams from 1966 to 1970. Washington had some great teams in the 1930s and the early 1940s. The Redskins had played in six NFL title games, winning two of them. But their recent history wasn't much to brag about. From 1946 to 1970, they had only four winning seasons and no postseason appearances. Allen wanted to win right away, not in the future. His motto was, the future is now. He wanted veteran players, and he was willing to trade away draft picks to get them, including getting several players who were with him in Los Angeles. Those players would enhance the team's talent. Players like Sonny Jurgensen at quarterback, Charlie Taylor at wide receiver, Jerry Smith at tight end, Larry Brown at running back, and Chris Hanberger at linebacker. Some criticized Allen for trading away top draft picks, but it was hard to argue with the results. After five weeks in 1971, the team was first in their division with a 5-0 record. The most impressive of those wins came in Week 3 against the Dallas Cowboys in the Cotton Bowl. Quarterback Billy Kilmer connected with receiver Roy Jefferson for a 50-yard score to give Washington a 14-3 lead. The Redskins prevailed that day 20-16. Kilmer and Jefferson were examples of how Allen stacked his team with veteran players. Kilmer came by way of the New Orleans Saints to be the team's backup quarterback to starter Sonny Jurgensen, while Jefferson came from Baltimore and was supposed to complement star receiver Charlie Taylor. But after Jurgensen and Taylor went down with serious injuries, Kilmer and Jefferson stepped in to fill the void. The story was a bit different for the Dallas Cowboys. Born in expansion in 1960, the team struggled to produce a winning team until 1966, when it fell one game short of reaching the Super Bowl. It was the beginning of a pattern. 1967 was the same as 1966, falling one game short of the Super Bowl. In 1968, and again in 1969, Dallas lost in the divisional playoff game. Dallas finally reached the Super Bowl in 1970, but lost the game on a last-second field goal. 
The Cowboys and Redskins met again in 1971, Week 10, and a game played at RFK Stadium. Dallas got its revenge with a 13-0 shutout and went on to win its first ever Super Bowl. The Redskins, on the other hand, lost their playoff game to the 49ers, 24-20. But George Allen had proven his point. No longer would the Dallas Cowboys have a free ride to the division title. Allen, a master psychologist, knew that overtaking the Cowboys as divisional champions wouldn't be easy. He needed more than talented players to do it. So he manufactured intense dislike for that team from Texas. It wasn't a stretch for him either. When he was with the Rams, the Cowboys accused Allen of sending spies to watch their practices. He resented the accusation and waited to exact revenge. It came during a 1971 regular season game when a dog ran onto the field. Allen accused the Cowboys of using the dog to disrupt his team's concentration. Washington won 20-16. So deep was Allen's dislike of the Cowboys that he refused to call one of his players Dallas Hickman by his first name. Allen's players bought into his detest for the Cowboys, including defensive lineman Dyron Talbert, who focused his angst on Cowboys quarterback Roger Sawback. As the 1972 season approached, Washington's goal was crystal clear, overtake Dallas as divisional champions and get to the Super Bowl. Washington drew first blood in week six, a matchup at RFK Stadium. They won 24-20 and moved into first place with a 5-1 record. But Dallas got even in week 13 with a 34-24 victory. The Skins finished the season 11-3, while the Cowboys ended at 10-4. That meant Washington was the division winner and Dallas had to settle for a wildcard spot in the playoffs. Washington beat Green Bay 16-3 in the first playoff game. Dallas defeated the San Francisco 49ers 30-28 with a furious come-from-behind rally. Those victories set up a Cowboys-Redskins matchup on New Year's Eve in Washington, D.C. The winner would go on to face the undefeated Miami Dolphins in the Super Bowl. Cowboys coach Tom Landry decided to start Roger Staubach at quarterback over Craig Morton, even though Staubach had missed most of the season because of shoulder surgery. Few questioned the decision, since it was Staubach who engineered that comeback win over the 49ers. But starting Staubach wasn't enough. The Redskins cruised to a 26-3 win. Afterward, Dyron Talbert implied that it was easier to beat the Cowboys with Roger Staubach at the helm rather than Craig Morton. That insinuation incensed Staubach, who vowed to get revenge. A snafu gave Staubach reason to smile. 
those in charge of ordering shoes for the Super Bowl must have thought that the Cowboys would be Miami's opponent. Burgundy shoes, the skin's color, never arrived. Talbert was irate when he saw that they would be wearing blue shoes, the Cowboys color, for the big game. It got worse from there. The Redskins lost the Super Bowl to the Miami Dolphins 14-7. In 1973, the Cowboys looked forward to getting revenge in a Week 4 game played at RFK Stadium on Monday Night Football. The Cowboys led 7-0 after three quarters in a hard-hitting defensive game, but the Redskins came back to take a 14-7 lead. In a memorable conclusion, the Cowboys came within one yard of tying the game as time expired. Defensive back Ken Houston, who had been acquired recently from the Oilers, stopped Cowboys fullback Walt Garrison from scoring on fourth down. Dallas got a measure of revenge in week 13, winning 27-7, but there would be no rematch in the postseason. Washington lost to Minnesota in a playoff game. Dallas got to play the Vikings the following week, and they lost too. 1974 did not go well for the Cowboys. Many of their best players had retired during the offseason. Others, including players past their prime, were traded. They lost to Washington in Week 10, 28-21, and that loss left the team with a 5-5 record with a slim chance of reaching the playoffs. They met again only 11 days later on Thanksgiving Day. Dyron Talbert predicted that the Redskins would knock Roger Staubach out of the game, and they did just that. Behind 23-17, with time running out, backup quarterback Clint Longley threw a 50-yard touchdown pass to receiver Drew Pearson, and the Cowboys won. 24-23. But Dallas finished 8-6 and, and missed the playoffs for the first time since 1965. Washington finished 10-4 but had to settle for a wild card spot as the surprising St. Louis Cardinals took the division title. The Redskins were quickly eliminated by the Rams in the playoffs. The Cowboys started the 1975 season with a 5-1 record, but the habit of losing at RFK continued in Week 7 with a 30-24 overtime loss. Likewise, the Redskins' struggles at Texas Stadium continued. They were humiliated 31-10 in Week 13. The win was sweet for Dallas because it knocked the Skins out of the playoffs. On the other hand, Dallas made it to the Super Bowl, but lost a close game to the Steelers, 21-17. In Week 8 of the 1976 season, the Cowboys finally beat the Redskins at RFK, 20-7, but then lost to them in Week 14 at Texas Stadium, 27-14. Dallas won the division with an 11-3 record, Washington had to settle for the wild card spot again. It didn't matter though, as both teams lost opening round playoff games. 
In week five of the 1977 season, the Cowboys easily defeated the Skins 34-16. They met again in week 11, and the Cowboys won again 14-7, eliminating the Redskins from the playoffs. It was the first time since 1970 that Dallas had beaten the Redskins twice in the same season. Better yet, the Cowboys finished the season hoisting their second Vince Lombardi Trophy. The Redskins' 1978 season started with a new head coach, Jack Pardee, and a new starting quarterback, Joe Theismann. Theismann had played several seasons in the Canadian Football League before joining the Redskins in 1974, but he had to compete with veterans Sonny Jurgensen and Billy Kilmer for playing time. He finally got a chance to start in 1978. But with George Allen out of the picture, the Redskins-Cowboys rivalry seemed to have lost some luster. The shine came back quickly in an October Monday night game at RFK. With a 9-3 lead and time running out in the fourth quarter, the Redskins took a safety rather than punt the ball as quarterback Joe Theismann ran around the end zone to run out the clock, he held up the ball, taunting the Cowboys' defense. The Cowboys vowed revenge, and they got it on Thanksgiving Day, winning 37-10 in a rout. What's more, Dallas went on to play in the Super Bowl. Washington finished 8-8 after starting the season 6-0. The Redskins got a bit of payback in Week 12 of the 1979 season, winning 34-20. But Dallas had the last laugh, eliminating the Redskins once again from playoff contention in the regular season's final game. It was a game in which the Cowboys had to come from behind twice, first time from a 17-point deficit and the second time from a 13-point deficit. What made the win even sweeter was a pre-game taunt that went sour. Days before the game, a funeral wreath had been delivered to the home of Cowboys defensive end Harvey Martin with a card attached that read, From the Redskins. Martin brought the wreath to the game and was happy to throw it into the Redskins locker room after the Cowboys win. But unbeknownst to Martin, the wreath didn't come from the Redskins. It was a stunt delivered by a Cowboys fan designed to get Martin fired up for the game. And it worked. The rivalry was far from over. In our next edition, we'll go over part two, covering the years 1980 to 1985. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.